Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast that takes a light-hearted look at lesser-known London stories with your own personal blue badge professional tourist guides. She's Fiona. And she's Alex. And this is the Ladies in London podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Ladies in London podcast. That sounded almost professional. <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> I was just thinking, how am I going to join in with this? Am I going to join in with, 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 hello? I don't like it when I'm professional because it's not my, it's not my natural habitat. I am very much more chaotic and ridiculous than that. So anyway, welcome gang. Hi, welcome back. Hello. It's the Ladies in London podcast in your luggles for another week. I don't think our USP is professionalism. No. So. What is our USP? <laughs> If anyone now then knows, let us know. Because <laughs> we've not a clue. We've not a clue. If we even have a US or a P. Well, say. I well, I think I think we we have more Oh, see, I can't even do a this is, this is the this is the quality we're after. This is it, right here. <laughs> what I was trying to say, I think we have more idea of why people like us this week than we do last week because lots of people yeah. have been in touch yay, yay thank you gang it's been so lovely and quite a lot of people saying we're, fi- we're kind of getting into our groove which is totally true um i'm i'm feeling like the first like, human for the first time in a long time i think we're relaxing into it now yeah it's great yeah 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 but we've had some lovely emails so thank you to everyone who got in touch and we we had so many we can't do them all but we've picked out a few of our of our favorites um because uh, so the, uh, we had a lovely email from megan gibbons who is in ohio ohio <laughs> which i i know i shouldn't but every single time i'm like i want to do the ohio which is totally <laughs> like ridiculous but anyway uh, let's pretend i didn't do that just move on um yeah. so megan says she just finished episode 160 and she moved home back home to ohio a few years after living in london for six years um, during which time she spent it immersing herself fully in London. And then um, what I really like, so she lived very close to me in Greenland Key, in Surrey Keys. And, and even, even closer to me. Even closer to where you, well, where you used to before you dumped yes. me and ran away. Um, and she said, I imagine my shock and horror when after years of living on Greenland Key in Surrey Keys, I finally looked up the meaning behind the name. I was basically living on a whale graveyard. And that is totally mm. true because that is where all the kind of the stuff came in from Greenland. So it was whale meat, whale blubber, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, all the extra bits were buried beneath, which. Yeah. So that's fun. That's a nice yeah. way to start the episode, isn't it? 
Do you know, when, at one point when I was looking up something about the sort of Rotherhithe Peninsula and lighting and something, and, and it seems like there was a big chunk around there that didn't get, I can't remember, uh, gas or electric light or something supplied until a lot later than anywhere else because they were using the, the whale oil for lights. Interesting. That's still, that's still what I use over here. It's, uh, <laughs> my house has got a very, uh, very pungent smell to it. Yeah. yeah, is it? Does it count as biodiesel, biofuel, biofuel whale maybe. oil? Maybe. Don't know. Don't know. It's not sustainable. Do you want to do an email? Yes. So Lucy, hello Lucy. Hi Lucy. Lucy is in Canada. Oh man, this is epic. Uh, but she's a Londoner, but now lives in Canada and uh, very much enjoying. Um, Found us during lockdown when feeling super homesick. Um, so very much enjoying a little bit of London. And um, she she says that uh, she wanted to reach out and share something that links back to one of my favourite episodes. So Which I love, was? firstly, the idea that she has a favourite episode. <laughs> um, but also downloaded, she said, yes, um, some people watch Friends or Seinfeld. I listen to you, ladies. So she she kind of <laughs> listens back to us, and my mind is blown. Oh, Lucy, you need help, darling. Um, people are not just listening to us <laughs> once, but but more than once. But um, that's that's lovely. Um, so the Whitechapel Bell some masochism episode in there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> she likes the Ma- Whitechapel Bell, but also Saxon London, which is why she was getting in touch. Because that was you, wasn't it? Wasn't it that was, you as a guest? It was me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, or back when I was, up to you now. Lucy, come on. I, it was probably just sort of just tentatively creeping towards joining you as a host. Yeah. But um, they have been doing work under the National Gallery. And um, they, because there's two wings of the gallery, the Sainsbury's wing and the sort of the main wing. And yeah. they've never had a, a, a very good connection between the two. Um, they can't do it at ground floor level because there's a path that connects Trafalgar Square to Leicester Square so that doesn't work so they've dug down and they're doing a corridor down in the basement to connect the two together but they found lots of Saxon stuff and that kind of proves that Saxon London much bigger than we knew before and goes goes much further west so it was something that I saw in the news went oh interesting and then I didn't didn't think to relate it back to the pod but there you go Lucy's doing our work for us thanks Lucy Lucy. cheers now get help (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to grab one from uh, Diana, who's come in all the way from Colorado. Honestly, I am so. Uh, uh, this is this is brilliant. We're uh, is, are there any Brits out there? This is amazing. Um, so she says, I did a semester abroad in London in 1990, but frankly, spent more time going to the theatre and the pubs. I mean, honestly, Diane. Same. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Uh, I have a general knowledge of the city, and your podcast helps me regain some of my misspent youth. Fantastic. Well, um, we probably should do an episode on. Have we ever done something on pubs before? Yeah, we. Oh, I don't think we've done. Well, actually, on that note on pubs, and this is totally um, uh, very, very selfish, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> I completely forgot to, to remind everybody, but this last well, this week just gone was my TV debut. Yes, and, and I you were seen. You were spotted. Yes, yeah, so I was spotted. I you was were spotted by Lavinia. Yes, my mum even stayed up late to watch it. I mean, my, yeah, that that's dedication. And I say late because they go to bed quite early. Anyway, um, but I, talking of pubs, I was sitting in, I think someone on, on Instagram, when I put up a photo, went, oh, that's the... Um, prospect of Whitby, isn't it? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went, no, no, it wasn't no. at all. It was the grapes. What was I on about? So I was sitting in the grapes pub with Michel Rue Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and nattering about pubs. I couldn't bring myself to watch it because frankly, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, so <laughs> thank you to everyone else who messaged. I said, oh, I saw you. I forgot to tell everyone, but it's on the Discovery Channel, I think, or something like that. Uh, Rue Down the River is the name of the show, and I'm on episode five. So if you want to go and see me in all my full chemo sweats, oh. that's where you can go. I'm a, I'm a sexy yes. beast. Oh, oh. yeah. and I think actually Lavinia also very on message with us because she said she tried to send us a message on Instagram but uh, accidentally sent us an invitation to Taylor Taylor Swift so I'll take that that's good brilliant thank you amazing (laughs) we're going to leave the emails there because this could get ridiculous although I do want to give I want to try I want to try and see if this works again because the first time we mentioned him he dropped his lunch so we're going to (gasps) mention Matt Brown from the Londonist again uh, who emailed to say that he'd, he'd been in touch and was Totally listening along while making my sandwiches. He said, not beef and lobster. Mm-mm. Frankly, what are you doing with your life? Uh, and almost dropped the butter knife when you mentioned my name. So um, here we're hoping for another another drop there, Matt. Um, amazing. And, <laughs> and possible possible exciting plans there as well. Don't stop here, Fiona. <gasps> <gasps> so before we get into this week's podcast, what do we need to let everyone, everyone know anything about London? So, oh, yes, I put something on my stories the other day about... Um, the fourth plinth on Trafalgar Square. Oh, it, the yes. vote is now open for what you want next. I don't know when that's going to be, but it takes a while um, to uh, kind of make everything. But I think the vote closes on the 12th of April. Uh huh. That's correctly. good. I'm I'm going there this afternoon to have a ah. just have a quick mosey around. So I'm yeah excited and to see. I've already got ones I think might be my favourites. What are you What are you thinking? Um, oh, now what were they? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a completely left field question there. There's there's one that I was a bit like, I don't understand that at all. There may be a story behind it that makes sense. There's always a few that you go, Uh, um, The cat's quite nice, but it's kind of, it's a cat. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll tell you next week. I've gone for Untitled, which is the, uh, a sort of shrouded, like, horseback figure statue type thing i really liked it i, w- I was gonna go for either Sheila berman's piece or thomas j price's piece just out of a sense of loyalty because i like both of their their artworks yeah um but actually when i read up i was like oh i really like that untitled one and um desper um on instagram told me and i have to say i didn't know this that you can see if you go to the national gallery they've got the little yes of them all i didn't know that i was just looking at them online but um if you want to go and see like the mini versions of what they would be then you can go to the National Gallery and have a look. But anyone can vote wherever you are in the world. You don't have to be a Londoner. Um, you don't even have to fill in any details. You literally just click, I want to vote for that. And they go, all right, cheers. You don't have to fill in emails or anything. So let's all spam vote the ones we want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go and, go and have a little look and, uh, and see what you fancy. But I think it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes up. I, I tend to always vote for the things that never get picked. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I'm clearly out of... Uh, out of step with the, the, uh, common, the common man, but hey. Oh, I oh yeah, I quite like sweet sweet potatoes and yams are not the same, which is a sort of just a sprouting sweet I potato. That was quite oh mad. yeah, so it was the untitled was the one I didn't quite understand. Looking at a picture of it, I was just like, hmm, what is this? So I'm hoping if I go mm. and look it was at the write up that really got me. When the, when I read the write up, I was like, oh hang on, there you yeah, go. now I get that. Yeah, so then it off. I've only yeah. just looked glanced at the pictures. So if you want to find out. Uh, a bit more about them you can google just google fourth plinth if you do yeah or fourth plinth national gallery brings it up at the moment as well that's what i've just done to find them now um and you can have a little look and pop in a vote for your favorite yeah have a stake in london gang and if you don't know what the fourth project is we probably should mention it's uh there was always a fourth plinth on trafalgar square that was empty the 
there was supposed to be a um, horseback William. statue of William, William the Fourth, which, which not exciting materialised. Nah, he's a bit dull. Isn't he? <laughs> um, sorry, Willie. Uh, we love you, really. Um, hashtag Team Willie. But um, yeah, so it was empty for ages, and then in the oh gosh, I mean, how long ago now? Twenty five years. Twenty five years. That long? Goodness. Something. There was something the other day about how long it was, and I kind of went ah. Oh, and oh Thanks. no, 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 yeah. hang on, no, that might have been the poems on the underground. Well, either way, a something. while ago. Uh, they decided they were going to start putting some modern and contemporary art up there on a kind of rolling basis. So it's not planned, I understand, to ever be anything permanent there. It kind of goes in these fabulous different... Um... In fact, no, we have talked about it. We talked, we did an whole episode on it, I'm pretty sure. Yes, you have. Emily. Emily did it, didn't we? Did. So anyway, yeah. go back and listen to that and it will explain all, but the vote is open. So go and yeah. pick. I saw um, Heather Philipson doing something the other day and I was thinking, oh, she has familiar, her name's familiar. Why is her name familiar? I think. And then I went, oh, the she end. was the, the ice cream cone with the yep. drone and the thing. And that was like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. So Everyone loved yeah. that. It was completely mad, but everyone really enjoyed that one. Because it was I, so I mad, took I a think. long time to warm to it, <laughs> I have to say. A lump, dollop of whipped I, cream with uh, I, I liked it when the fly. drone was, was spinning. Yeah. When the drone rotors weren't spinning, I found it far too creepy. Okay. That, I, th- that's, yeah. that's your line. No, that's my line. Right. Yeah, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> good good to know where you're at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bit like wind turbines. They're fine if they're moving. If they're standing still, they're less good. I'm not sure I've ever heard that as a <laughs> frankly bonkers uh, explanation. Anyway, right. Well, well, here we go. There we go. So let's stop with our nattering Crack and get on. on into the other nattering. Yes. Excitingly, our first People's Choice episode. Can Woo! we call it that? Yeah, the, the People's Choice. The pick of the pe- pe- topic pick. Yeah, pe- pe- pick of the polls. <laughs> people's, the people's, yeah. the people's polls. Okay. And it is. So I lost, but I'm trying not to be bitter about it. No, don't think about it as, as you and me. Think about it as this lady sucker punched a few boxers. She took them down with her knockout blow and her implacableness. You can you can tell you're a big boxing fan. Yes. Yeah, they, they, you've got all the terminology. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so she is a lady who would be, I think, will look will look very familiar to an awful lot of people, especially mm. if you've lived in the United Kingdom, because there's every chance that you walked around with her, a picture of her in your pocket or your wallet for 15 years. Uh, we are talking Elizabeth Fry. I have said, do really like Elizabeth Fry, so I don't mind losing to her. Yeah. Um, And she was on the banknote. She was on the £5 banknote, Mm -hmm. um, which was the picture of her on the banknote was... um, is a version of an engraving that was done during her lifetime, which she actually sort of autographed. And in the 1820s, it was it was sold with her autograph, like a sort of autographed celebrity selfie, That's in amazing. a sense, uh, which is rather nice. Um, uh, the banknote did have a slight false start, though, because a few days after they started releasing them, somebody pointed out that you could rub the serial numbers off them, <gasps> and they had to say, "Hang on, as you won't, don't no, don't give them out. We're just gonna, we're just gonna oh, sort my this out." Um, <laughs> <That happened. laughs> I, I think it was something to do with the they were trying to make them more secure, so the paper quality was different, so the printing didn't stick quite. But anyway, uh, it's interesting. She had a slight false start over money as well, so. There you go. So um, I added her to my list a while ago of people I wanted to talk to when I was looking for people relating to the East End, mm. uh, because in later life she lived in East Ham and West Ham, which is not a million miles from from where I am now. Um, North Ham. 
North Ham, then she went to South Ham. <laughs> she did like ham. Um, before that, she lived in the city. So I regularly walked past her plaque at the end of Cheapside. And I knew she was a prison reformer and I knew she had a big hat, very tall bonnet. And I didn't really know much else about her. So um, this has been very lovely to dive in. Mm. And uh, she was born 1780 in Norwich, uh, which actually I discovered recently my grandparents lived there for a while. I hadn't sort of registered that. Yeah. Um, And when she was, she was... Uh, one of the oldest of a family of 12 kids. Oh, blimey. But when she was 12, her mother died. Um, so she, I think, took on quite a lot of the, the, the caring and the responsibility of raising the, the younger ones. Um, Gosh, yeah. So was and, she, where was she in that number of 12 then? One of, one of the oldest girls okay. is what? I read. So they may have been older boys who clearly are not responsible for caring for the younger ones. Absolutely. But, but, same year that her mother died is um, 1792 is when the Vindication of the Rights of Women is published, Mary Mm. Wollstonecraft. And she seems like she wasn't sort of formally educated. They didn't go to school, but they had tutors and nannies and things. And her father was a banker, um, but very had had a good library stocked with Voltaire and Thomas Paine and good books about sort of politics and and you know social. I love this stuff. when there's a library and the girls are just like, "Mom, we're just going to go read stuff." Read the library, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So so quite a sort of liberal, maybe interesting family. You know, um, her her father was a banker. Her mother was part of the family of the Barclay family from Barclays Bank. So good good banking um and um but but not particularly devout so quakers but not massively devout attentive quakers it seems like um which kind of changes when she's about 18 she hears an american preacher um quaker preacher who comes to norwich and he talks about kind of um the importance of tackling poverty and injustice and things and she's inspired to go and um sort of work with local charities and one of the things she starts doing is teaching children to read and write um and that seems like a that sort of sets her off on her on her life's mission in a way but she gets married uh, quite soon afterwards, moves down to London to St Mildred's Court, just at the Ooh, eastern end of Cheapside. Oh, does that still exist? I don't know that one. It is. It's sort of there, but it's behind a gate. Right. If you're, um, th- there's a sort of gate that goes to the back door of the grocer's hall, I think. Okay. But there's. Is it a bank building? It might be the NatWest Bank or one of the... It's one of the buildings that's sort of right at the the, the bank end of Cheapside. Okay. On the north side of the street, there is a... She's got a blue plaque and it's kind of slightly on the corner of the building. But it, right. Mildred's Court has slightly disappeared. There was also St Mildred's Church, which you can see on old maps and things. So it's not absolutely clear where the court was, but that's the closest that we've still got. Um. So... So she, yeah, Moose London gets married in 1800. 11 years later, and seven children later. Oh, blimey. She becomes... Seven a, children in 11 years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, and somewhere in the things I was reading in one, just one place, I saw a reference to possibly having postnatal depression. I couldn't find anything yeah. else saying that. So I don't know where that came from. And there was no sort of evidence about it. But if if she was prone to postnatal depression, seven children, I mean... That's going to do it. Yeah. So, uh, but again, of having that seven might kids not be... Depressed. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, she becomes a Quaker minister. Interesting. Um, now, Quakers are the Society of Friends and um, they believe that um, a bit like the Methodists, everyone can have a kind of personal relationship with God. You don't need a bishop or a saint or anyone else to sort of intercede on your behalf. Um, the belief, uh, each human's ability to experience the light within. And that mm. quite often is the case, this the sort of personal religious experience with Christ is acquired by either direct experience and reading and studying the Bible. So reading and the Bible reasonably important uh to, to quakers generally and they they're one of um lots of different kind of versions and flavors of christianity that that kind of pop up in the 1600s mid 1600s um and they do epic porridge they do epic porridge <laughs> yes also i like the quakers because they always seem to turn up on the right side of history Yes. Like they were strongly involved in the abolition of the slave trade. Yes. They pop up, they, they really fight for the the underdog and the kind of where, you know, when everyone else's moral compass seems to be going massively skewy, if the Quakers seem to just manage to yeah. pick the right path. Famously non-violent. Yeah. Um, I didn't know this. But we've 19, got a lot to do with it, to be fair. 1947 actually got the, were awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Really? Yeah. Did not um, to the represent, uh, yeah, Quakers in general, represented by the British Friends Service Council and the American Friends Service Committee, uh, were given the, the Peace oh. Prize. So, um, and also, I didn't know this. You can also have a non-theistic Quaker. Oh, so I I can't get my head around this. The whole the whole idea is that we can have a sort of relationship with Christ, but we don't have to rely on the. Being Christ being there. So it seems like non-theistic ones are Quakers who don't necessarily believe in God, which I might, I might be able to get on board so That's with. more of a spiritual belief, I guess, then. It's more of a kind of believe in uh, maybe not God being Christ slash God the way that in a Christian sense, but maybe, you know, how some, I mean, I'd say this very much as a, as a non-believer of anything, really. Um, yeah. But, you know, how some people believe that kind of God is everywhere and is, is not necessarily yeah. a person it's more of a you know nature it's everything and, which and maybe is a lot of people have that thought like i don't believe in a specific god but there is something lots of us you know a lot of people believe mm. in something the so, universe yeah. yeah um so and and i think a lot of people what, what lots of people know about quakers is the, the the meetings people don't necessarily talk you can just sit and then you talk if you want to whatever and it I think nowadays, actually, that's quite a small proportion of Quaker meetings are like that. There's some mm. some meeting houses are more like that, and some are more with a might have a a, a priest or a you know a, a minister. I think it's mm. term. Anyway, what else emerges in the middle of the 1600s? Um, banking becomes mm. big, and there's a lot of Quaker bankers and chocolate bankers, bankers, bankers with a B, bankers. Quankers. Oh, Quankers. Yes. Nice. <laughs> but also chocolate. 
really kind of takes off mid 1600s and um the very well it was here as a medicinal thing earlier but the earliest documented evidence of drinking chocolate in england is from 1657 associated with the quaker botanist and antiquarian john ray uh, who was friends of peeps so it seems to make sense actually i mean there's quite a lot of quakers in industry and uh, particularly chocolate, Cadbury, Roundtree, really? fries. So my big question about Elizabeth Fry, oh. is she related to Fry's Turkish Delight? Oh. We'll have to wait fries and see. Fry's cream, one of my favourite things in the world. There you go. And, and so do we, do we know that that's... That she, We're coming back is? to it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm going to leave you that, till, okay. uh, leave you tenterhooks oh. with that for later on. So 1812, she has another daughter called Hannah Fry, which did make me also go, oh, is she mm. is she related, I wonder, to Dr. Hannah Fry, the fabulous mathematician and broadcaster? Mm. And um, no, 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 it no. doesn't. Well, I mean, maybe. Can't but, have everything. But no, yeah. But um, Stephen Fry is related to the chocolate family. Oh, is he? We'll just bear that in mind for later. Okay, well. So, um, so roundabout... Then, as well, 1812, 1813, it's not quite clear. She is persuaded by a friend to go and visit Newgate Jail, which mm. is 15-minute, 10-minute walk from her house, something like yeah. that, you know, just across the other side of the city. Um, and she describes her visit to somebody uh, later on, and her description of her visit we will tell you just after this. She found the female side in a situation which no language can describe. Nearly 300 women sent there for every graduation of crime, some untried and some under sentence of death, were crowded together in two yards and two cells. Here they saw their friends and kept a multitude of children, and they had no other place for cooking, washing, eating and sleeping. They slept on the floor, at times 120 on one ward, without so much as a mat for bedding, and many of them were nearly naked. She saw them openly drinking spirits, and her ears were offended by the most terrible imprecations. Everything was filthy to excess, and the smell was quite disgusting. Everyone, even the governor, was reluctant to go amongst them. He persuaded her to leave her watch in his office, telling her that his presence would not prevent it being torn from her. Mm. She saw enough to convince her that everything was bad, that everything bad was going on. In giving me this account, she repeatedly said, all I tell thee is a faint picture of the reality, the filth, the closeness of the rooms, the ferocious manners and expressions of the women towards each other and the abandoned wickedness of which everything bespoke are quite indescribable. Two women were observed in the act of stripping a dead child for the purpose of clothing a living one. Oh my God, that is... So... It's, that's horrific. It's grim. And we knew Newgate was bad, but I've never heard that account. That is something yeah. else. Um, so, ha- have you talked about Newgate before? I we've, feel like you've now, touched on it. We've definitely... I don't think we've dedicated an entire episode to it, but we have definitely touched on Newgate in, in numerous episodes. Yes. I, I don't think we've done a, a dedicated one. Though. Well, there was something I was reading up this week that made me go, ah, interesting. And that would also touch on Newgate. 
So we might okay. come back to that in the future. Um, so her response to this was not to run away going, oh my God, that's terrible. Her response was to come and stay. Not immediately. Right. Um, Actually stay like in one of the cells? In, in the jail. I don't know oh, exactly where within it. But um, remember as well, this is an era when there are still public executions going on mm-hmm. just outside the front door of Newgate. Newgate is where the Old Bailey is now. Mm-hmm. It was originally the new gate into the City of London and prisoners were put up in the rooms above the gate and you know, it became a sort of prison really in the sort of 11, 12 hundreds. And it was London's biggest, most notorious, probably least pleasant prison. It was known as the seventh circle of hell, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Yes. And had been rebuilt. So the prison building she would have known is the one that was rebuilt. I think they finished it in 1872. It had been damaged in the Gordon riots uh, while they were in the process of sort of rebuilding it. And then they had to do some more work, but it is um, a style described as uh, architecture terrible. (laughs) which is not just terrible architecture (laughs) it's designed to look intimidating and it's the very look of the prison with this huge in fact actually in some ways not dissimilar to the wall of the bank of england that same sense of no windows in a a thick wall looming absolutely so designed to look to put people off crime yeah um and it was split there were there was a men's sort of courtyard and women's courtyard, but they weren't they weren't like entirely segregated. They were just sort of slightly more. Seems like there was also one side of the prison where the wealthy could go, and the other side, the less wealthy. And throughout Newgate's history, you could buy food and bedding, or and you know, easement and well. easement. You could buy not being in shackles. Yeah, if you had the money to do it and things like that. So it's 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 grim in lots and lots of ways. Um, but this is where she has her slight false start because round about that time there were financial problems with her bank, her husband's bank. And so for a couple of years she wasn't able to kind of do the things she wanted to do. But once that gets better again, she then starts doing things that are incredibly practical. So she brings in food, um, not food, maybe food, but also clothes is what I was trying to say. Uh, So clothes for the women. Um, She goes and reads to the women. Oh, wow. um, Which also begs, I mean, immediately the question is, what did she read? And I suspect it was something improving. It was probably the Bible. Something biblical, yeah. Given that we've already said for Quakers, Bible study, very kind of important. That that would seem to make sense. Um, she she encouraged them to kind of keep keep themselves clean and things, but also keep the area, the environment around them clean. But intriguingly, she also proposed sort of um, some rules and things for them. But she then um, got them to vote on which ones they wanted to adopt. And it feels like she's giving them some control. They're in a situation where they have absolutely no control at all. No agency whatsoever. And she's kind of giving them uh, a sense of, of um, purpose and things. And she said, you know, this, this is things that will make them calmer while they're in, in prison and then also more, more able to kind of go back out into society and, and um, more successful and um, 
things. And what's intriguing, she's she's doing these very practical things alongside campaigning and stuff. And actually also, so one of the things she does is she gets, um, there's still lots of crimes that do have the death penalty. Mm -hmm. You didn't necessarily get the death penalty, even if it was on the statute books, quite a lot of people would not be sentenced yeah, to death quite commuted wouldn't it? i think the more more would be commuted than not usually yes and she was arguing very strongly sort of against the death penalty and um that then led her on to looking at the conditions of the ships so the the ships if you if you don't have the death penalty you might get transported to australia instead mm. but the ships that were taking people to australia were again incredibly grim described as being similar to kind of almost as bad as slave ships. And this is, you know, around about the time as well that the slave trade is sort of um, being argued over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she then starts giving sort of packages to women who are going on the ships to Australia because they were going to Australia with nothing except maybe some children with them. And when they arrive, they have no means of making money or supporting their children. So inevitably quite a few ended up uh, working as prostitutes she gave them materials and sewing uh sewing equipment things so that on the journey they could be sewing and then when they arrive they've got stuff that they can sell and wow, they've got a skill really that's really forward thinking i it's, like that it's so practical yeah and it's it's really um just a thing that has an instant effect even if yeah. you only give that thing to one person you've made it better for that one person yeah. and once you can see that it's making things better then it's it's easy to also motivate other people to go look this is working and within a few years you could you could see the impact of her work uh, on the women at Newgate she also combines that with campaigning about it and because um because of her sort of family background and the banking and things, she's, you know, they're a very sort of respectable, well-to-do family. So she has access to levels of society that other people might not. And if we go back to the banknote, there's a picture of her on it, on the right-hand side. But on the left-hand side, there's another picture. And always on banknotes, you get a portrait and another picture. Yeah. Who, whoever looks at the other picture? Do you, know, do. What, do you know what the picture is? I'm sure you do, because you... Well, saying that, I now can't remember what the... Because Elizabeth Fry one is no longer in circulation. Yeah. Um, I'm going to assume Newgate Prison. Yeah. It's a picture of... It's it's her reading to prisoners. Oh, it's that image. Yes, I know that image. Yeah. And it's based on a contemporary engraving or image at the time. and Which we, again, we will put on the blog. And I should we'll say, gang, every week, Fiona diligently does this amazing <laughs> blog with with all the lovely pictures and a bit of extra explanation go and have a look because there's always something there so save you googling just go straight to our blog um and some some weeks like show notes than, yeah than some weeks else. are better than others for pictures yeah. last yeah. week lots of pictures but i do sometimes also go slightly as a tangent so last week <laughs> we were talking mostly about the sale of london bridge to america but what i did in the blog was more of a kind of history of london bridge because that's what we've got pictures for she goes off at a tangent gang we know this is what she does we love it um yeah so yeah but yeah all of these pictures <laughs> will genuinely, be go and have a look and, we'll and on the blog. also from my side thank you for doing that because <laughs> you know i think it makes it better that's all right um so she's she's sitting at a table 
with a book in front of her. She's not actually kind of looking at the book. She's sort of pointing at the book and looking at the women. And then on the right-hand side, there's a collection of eight or nine women sitting around. Some of them are kind of despairing. It looks like they've got their heads in their hands. Some of them are a bit more attentive. There's two children in the foreground sitting on the floor. Intriguing on the on the banknote, there's the two children and then there's a woman to the right who's looking down at the children. Um, on the original painting or whatever it was, the image that was done at the time, there's another woman standing in between those two groups and she's standing with her back to us and her sort of um, top is slipping off over her shoulder. So there's kind of a shoulder exposed and and it, it changes the dynamic quite significantly so it's intriguing that they took her out of the banknote image hmm. um but why do you think they did that i don't know do i think it's was? just she was probably too big in in that image because they right. um, they don't take the full thing they crop it don't they yeah they it's, the, it's a right. more of a sort of vignette of the middle of the original image and she would have i think she would have just stolen focus too much and I suppose you um, want to be clear which figure is Elizabeth Fry, I guess, as well. And it's not so. immediately obvious which is Elizabeth Fry, I have to say, if you look at it, because she's sitting kind of slightly to the left at the table, but she also has other people around her. And there are two ladies sitting further left with nice bonnets. And then there's a group of about four or five people standing behind, one in quite distinctive glasses, but but nicely dressed society people. Mm. And this is absolutely the thing. She had access to a certain sort of person in a way that she could you know campaign with and this is when she went and spent time and spent nights in the prison not just her she invited these other people with her and she brought them to the prison and they spent the night and that is going to be so much more powerful than just saying to someone look I think this is terrible you know yeah if you go and see it for yourself um you're you're going to get the full unedited version and you're not going to be like oh yeah she's just exaggerating we're like oh no this is yeah but also if you go to someone's you know someone you know and go look come come with me to the prison they're going not sure look let me tell you it's really terrible there it's all these things but you should come it's like she (laughs) she was obviously persuasive yeah um she also talks to parliament we think she's the first woman to give evidence to a parliamentary house of commons parliamentary committee first woman 1818 um by then, she's also written a book about uh, prisons. She writes a couple of other books later on. Um, she forms a couple of associations. The first one is specifically about Newgate. Later on, it becomes the British Ladies Society for Promoting the Reformation of Female Prisoners. Do you know what? They did not come up with snappy names in the Victorian <laughs> time, did they? Well, no. I mean, you could make that into a... That would be if you. Oh, I know it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you'd have said that, I'd have yeah been right in there with the detail. Yeah, and it, I, I automatically did that. The British Ladies Society voice because, yeah, but it is That's almost certainly how it would have been. It's it it's it, it's a ladies' society to reform the female prisoners. So she's she's sort of connecting the women. Uh, at, at both ends in a way um, the driving force of her the, her prison work seems to be the idea that prisons should be rehabilitation and not punishment and that is slightly that. depressing because I think that's still an argument that 
Yeah. You know, we 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 hasn't yeah. been won yet. And, and um, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that is 100% correct. Yes. Yes. I mean, it just if you're if it's just about punishment, it's an expensive and ineffective way of dealing with an issue. If they're about rehabilitation, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um so and it, it it cuts back on reoffending. It's yeah. Yeah. And it, and it gives people again a sense of a sense of agency, a sense of um uh, value and you know yeah it shouldn't be it, it's obvious but it shouldn't need to be said but it does i guess yeah well it's not it i think it's not obvious to everyone a lot of people would argue very strongly the other way that prisons shouldn't be you know they're they're punishment mm. and that's what they should be and i yeah anyway um but she also does lots of other stuff as well. She um, sets up uh, a night shelter for the homeless and mm-hmm. soup kitchens and starts looking at conditions in mental asylums, which is another whole... <laughs> yeah, we talked about Bedlam before and how horrific that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sets up a school of nursing. Some of the nurses that trained in her school are the ones that went to Istanbul with Florence Nightingale. Uh, Florence cited her as being an inspiration in her work and generally campaigns for kind of better better education and better housing and um, all sorts of good stuff Um, having also had eventually 11 children um, goodness me there's so she she's um background family background of of bankers um and there's other there's her brother-in-law is a banker as well and various things so lots of bankers and things um and i'm just really intrigued by by quakers in a way because they do have these strong strands in industry and like you said Mm. the oats um and the chocolate we've talked about already and things and banking and you don't you don't instinctively go yeah those are the good moral careers you know um but it seems like it's it's good it's fine to make money if you then put that money to good use yeah and um she, her husband joseph is joseph fry so she was elizabeth gurney as a, as a maiden name but fry is her husband's name and joseph fry is the nephew of the joseph fry who starts selling chocolate in Ah, so uh, there's a a marriage link. There is a marriage link. What is delightful about this is, so Joseph Fry, who starts the the, the chocolate business, is in the middle of the 1700s. He saw it as a health-giving thing and as an alternative to alcohol. I couldn't agree more, gang. (laughs) Which also explains, you know, the Quakers' teetotal as a a rule, I think. Um, But in... 1777 the chocolate works in bristol moved premises and they moved away from newgate street and i rather like that little newgate link so uh, newgate street in bristol oh in bristol yeah sorry yeah it's that salient bit of my brain yeah funked out at that moment as i like that yeah so but um i realized when i was thinking about her yesterday that i uh i i looked up quite a lot about her sort of early life and things and then you know most of the the 
information about her. There's lots of stuff about what she did. And there is this hugely long list of things that she did and stuff. There's very, very little about her personality. Really? Nowhere have I found any description, really any, any, either any sort of physical description of her, which actually is sort of slightly unusual, but also nothing, nothing at all about she was a, you know, what she was like to have a conversation with. Maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't find the right sources, but what I think about her is it's quite easy to see her as being sort of part of the establishment because of the, the pound, you know, being on the banknote and things, but also um, somehow inevitable. Like Newgate was really, really bad. And if it wasn't her, then someone else would have come along and said, this is bad. And uh, over time, the conditions would have kind of got better and things. But because but she's in a way she's sort of the opposite of the people that you and I really quite like talking about who are the mad eccentrics right yeah she is this sort of just i said but right at the beginning implacable and you get the sense she just powered through getting stuff yeah. done and i am quite intrigued by people who get stuff done because i'm not one of them you are no, i'm not but compared to me <laughs> <laughs> It's a low bar. <laughs> it's a very low bar. Absolutely. I mean, I might get there eventually, but oh my God, I'm slow. But she, she, you know, just seems like she, she goes, goes for it. And what is the key? The first thing she does when she goes into the prison is she reads to people. Mm. And as a Quaker, she presumably read the Bible and things. And, um, we there is a book that she published i don't i don't know whether she published it in english as well the version i saw found was a, a book in french so she was publishing okay. this for french female prisoners and it's a tiny 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 little book there's a picture of it and it's like half the width of a pencil is the entire what? book so it's tiny t- like almost like the one length of a pencil surely length of a pencil yes yes <laughs> So that's really small. It's no, the no. width of a pencil. <laughs> a couple of millimetres. Just the one Getting good letter per page. page. Yeah. It's like a flip book. No, no, like length, length of a pencil. But still, right. still, that's, that's still that's like an inch per page-ish, yeah. something like that. Um, and um, the first bit, it was a French devotional so you know stuff uh the the first psalm that was on the the page front page was um we spend our years as a tale that is told Mm. so it's all about the story about the story it's funny you said that actually because i was i was thinking earlier when you were talking about all the different things that that she did and that she had a hand in and that she you know with with literacy and, and and everything that we we often think, you know, we're one person. What difference can we make? Yeah. And the fact that we are still talking about her 200 years later and her impact and what she did just goes to show that you might think that your impact, your your what you're offering is really small, but actually it can have a really, really big effect. Yeah. Um, and it I might... Mean, obviously, not everybody, let's face it, because it depends <laughs> what you're putting your energy into... <laughs> You know, if you're putting your energy into posting selfies on Instagram, probably not going to be remembered in 200 years. But, 
you know, things like this where you think I'm just one person. What can I do? I can go in. I can read. I can give somebody a, you know, a, a scrap of fabric and a needle and thread. Yeah. And you might think you go home that night and be like, well, I've done a little bit. It, one know, one stitch, years, no one, one stitch at a time. Yeah, exactly. That's... But she is the story to be told. I love that. Aww. And I'm, I'm sure there are more books and things, you know, if, if you inevitably for doing these things we end up doing research a little bit last minute sometimes so no, um, no. if you had m- more time to read up about her there, there I'm sure is more details you can find about how she you know how did she get to be the person who talked to the parliamentary committee who how did she go about the campaigning all those kind of things but they're not it's not easy to find that available, detail no. what you get is the headlines of what she achieved yeah. And it's incredibly impressive, but what was the effort behind it? And what is her motivation? And it it does seem like it's, you know, it's, it, it's that strong belief in equality uh, for people. Yeah, and what, I, what I like as well is that she didn't sort of wake up one morning going, right, I'm going to go and solve the, yeah. the, the problem. And, she, you know, she happened to go there and was so shocked by it that it, it almost spurred her into action yeah and i think that's really telling because like you said she's not kind of from the same cloth that you would often place a lot of these people like you say she's you could almost class her as establishment so unless she had had that opportunity to go there and be smacked around the face with the awfulness of it it, it you know rather than just going home and, and merrily carrying on being you know, a lady of, of the yeah. society or whatever, she was like, nah, that's it, I'm in. Yeah. Which is a lot to her character, I think. I think, in a way, with that, if that's why you're doing it, why would you wake up morning and go, yeah, that's I've done enough now? So it makes sense that yeah. she carries on and she keeps yeah. going and going. And, um, yeah. And it, does she have a tangible effect on changing the, the conditions in Newgate Prison? Yes, yes, absolutely. There are two prison sort of reform acts during the time that she's active the first one is 1820 something and that um was a sort of a first step in the right direction but it seems like it wasn't it wasn't always enforced and it wasn't it didn't quite achieve what it was wanted to and then there's another one in uh 1830 something uh which is much more effective um and yes, I think I think also the work she was doing, the very practical hands-on stuff she was doing at Newgate, definitely had had an impact there, and therefore was was sort of um, yeah. rolled out more. Yeah, amazing. Um, I love it. I love it. So yeah, so she has a couple of blue plaques around in various mm-hmm. places. Um, she has a stained glass window. In a church somewhere. I've now forgot. I haven't got the that piece of paper in front of me. Uh, I know in... you said that. I'm thinking. I know I've seen it, and I don't know where. Liverpool, it is. Liverpool Cathedral, the Anglican. Oh Cathedral. no, I haven't seen it then. <laughs> I've never been to Liverpool. Okay. Yeah, which actually is intriguing. Why? I don't know what her link was with Liverpool, or whether they just when they were building the the cathedral, they just thought actually, yep, she's she's good. We'll have her. I feel like she's in a in a, some sort of window in London as well. You would think, you'd think she would be. I've got, I've got an image of her as like a, a, a small image in a window of lots of other people. 
But I'm, I might be completely insane. Is he on well, Sergeant I mean... Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club? <laughs> <laughs> she might be. Who knows? Love <laughs> a little woman. And she also quite nicely when she she died in 1845, and um, the Lord Mayor of London at the time wanted to commemorate her, and rather than putting up a plaque, he it was decided it would be a better tribute to her in a way to um to start an institution for ex-prisoners which was known as the elizabeth fry refuge and it has still exists today um it's uh elizabeth fry charity nowadays it's in reading and it runs a a hostel um and receives funding from the ministry of justice so it's it's still doing exactly it's got 24 beds um for for ex-offenders and um you know still doing the very practical things that she did so love her um hurrah for her and also you know wasn't um not everyone at the time went way there's this woman doing all this campaigning isn't that marvelous obviously inevitably some people went that's not right stay at home yeah Yeah. but maybe you know that the, the mothering of her siblings and the mothering and the mothering that's she she some people said it was unnatural she was um you know um not abandoning what's the word not not looking after her own children enough but yeah. maybe she's just expanding that you know caring out love it. into the society love it. so and yes, she's not on the notes anymore um we have one woman on the notes don't we we do uh, and only ever one at any, at any given time really. oh we've we got two at the moment i'm trying to think now well um I, I wanted to say, and I looked this up and the dates don't quite match, but when Elizabeth Fry was on the note, that was also when we had the first chief cashier signing. Uh, I promised to pay the bearer and oh. then uh, it's signed by someone. And But actually she started about three years before Elizabeth Fry came in. So the, 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 the last edition of the previous note also had the first female so, chief cashier. Do we cashier. know why she, why she was picked for the notes? Because it's quite a quite a thing to be picked to be on the notes i mean i don't know she is her blue plaque is very close to the bank of england ah. so whoever walked into work the bank of england the no- bank note designer whose name i do know emma someone um she might have walked past her blue plaque every day on the way into work depending which angle she came from um emma cook was the designer um okay. Interesting. I like that idea, actually, that you're sort of wandering along and just going, oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've got Jane Austen at the moment. Well, I loved when they when they took it's Elizabeth Fry away because they changed the £5 note before they changed the 10 So Elizabeth right. Fry disappeared from the 5 and then for a while there weren't any women. But they said, no, no, don't worry, it's fine. Jane Austen is waiting in the wings. Yeah. She's a-coming. And you just have this image of Jane Austen, like, ready to pounce. Yeah. <laughs> Almost on, Jane. You're creeping on, you're up on. behind Charles Dickens to stab him in the back <laughs> and take him off the note. Yeah, so we've got, we got men on the others and Jane Austen on the ten. I mean, we have had a lady on the note for well, quite we a long the queen, time. The Queen. Yes. 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 And the first, well, she's still on there because the... Um, coming soon, though, isn't it? Charles ones aren't coming out till June. Yeah. But they are coming. They are coming. Got my first Charles stamp the other day. There we go. Oh, it's right here. I haven't seen one yet. Oh, yeah. oh, that's. Could they not? Good, you know the way they used to have the little queen in the corner when yeah. you had a sort of special edition picture of I don't know Paddington Bear or golfers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you always had the little queen's head in the corner. Could they not just keep the little, the little queen's queen head in the, in, the, in the corner of the Charles one? Yeah, yeah. I was doing something the other day and I had to. 
uh, I was just talking about who was the colonel in chief of the various regiments, the household division, and I put on the slide now because I've got Princess of Wales, and that's fine. I'm not doing the whole HRH. It's like you know, and I got, but then I got Camilla, and I was like, do I do I call her Queen Camilla? Do I does that roll off the tongue? I not yet. Not Even King yet. Charles is a roll of the tongue yet. King Prince Charles, that's what I'm <laughs> King doing. King Prince Charles, yeah. <laughs> because he's he's Prince Charles, that's who he is. Prince so he's King Prince Charles. It's fine. King Prince Charles. Yeah, yeah, first name Prince. There we go. Perfect. The mm. um Yeah, the royal formerly known as Prince. Nice. Nice. Mm. I like it. I like it. I'm gonna steal that from you and not credit you. Yeah. Oh, I stole it from someone else. <laughs> Amazing. Well, there we go. That's Elizabeth Fry. Thank you so much. It's funny because I did um, a fair bit of research for her as well when I did Global Tea Break. Um, but I, I do a lot more research for the podcast than I ever used to for um, Global Tea Break because that was a lot shorter. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, she's a fascinating character and you came up with more stuff that I hadn't, I didn't know about, um, which is really interesting. Well, um, so thank you. Yeah. And I, I started reading about and then you get into these sort of lists of things that you think, oh, is she, she's worthy. Is she interesting? Yeah, she is. But I think she is interesting in her in her just there's there's not there, you're right. There's nothing to get into on her. No, per se. Um, there's no little it, stories about oh, and the time she did this and the or yeah. the you know she liked when she flipped the bird at Florence Nightingale across the courtyard or something. Yeah, yeah there's nothing like that, that. Is that? Um, but but it, it doesn't matter because I think what what she did was so it, interesting it and important. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. Well, there we go. Yes, thanks, Fiona. Um, Brilliant. We haven't quite worked out who our next our next option of choices are, are they? So we'll have to get back yeah. to you. Get back to you on that next... one, but that'll be for next month. Yeah. Uh, well, this is supposed to be a March one, but anyway, whatever. It's fine. It's February. Yeah, <laughs> it's practically March. It's a leap year, so we just get an extra day. That's fine. Yeah. Um, what else was I? Oh, there was something else I was going to tell everybody, and I can't remember what it was now. I don't remember. Anyway, forget it. Um, <laughs> nope genuinely gone but uh you're all bored of us talking about it now but we are very very excited <gasps> as it's getting closer and closer yeah. our live podcast episode 20th of march come along tickets are nearly gone but there are a few left and uh, we would love to fill the place out and um we've got some fun stuff coming leo hollis another guest <laughs> who, who shall not be named uh just yet and and uh we should say leo hall is talking about mary davis which is us oh genuinely i'm halfway through his book at the moment it's she's so good it's it's a story that i mean i think he's he's the guy who's done all the digging and all the finding out and honestly i can't tell you how excited i am to chat to him about it i've got so many questions yes and there's something else i love about which i've i've had with previous books he's written as well which i absolutely love which is you're reading a sentence and it might not even be kind of coherent to the main story it's just something that's almost an aside but it makes you see something from a different angle and once you've seen it it's blindingly obvious yeah and you're like oh of course yeah and i've had one or two of those moments reading the book so absolutely yeah um also i just wanted to uh i I don't i don't like using give a little shout out but we're going to anyway um to our the guy who wrote our podcast jingle mm-hmm. ben morales frost yes uh just want to let you know what he's been up to he worked on uh wonka recently oh yes he also worked on argyle which is i believe oscar nominated Ooh. it's definitely out at the moment anyway argyle, is um, that... he he worked on the score is that is argyle. that 
sort of Duchess of Argyle territory or Not very much no. no I think it's okay. like a sort of glamorous spy thing with Henry Cavill and oh, okay. a variety of other humans um, and uh, yeah so he is he is he, he ain't going to be around us for much longer. Let me put it that way. So well, we've we got recording. It's not. It's him. not like he plays it live every week, is it? We don't. <laughs> we don't need him physically. He can go off and, and do you stuff. know what? I have to. I, I love him because when we started out the podcast and it was in the middle of the pandemic and we had, we weren't making any money. We had no money. He gave us the music for free, um, and I've always been very grateful for that. So um, yeah, yes. Then. And watch this space because. He's going to be winning Oscars at some point. He's going to be the next John Williams, I'm convinced of it. Can we bring this round so. completely full circle and say that the music is the most professional part of the podcast? Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, I don't think there's any any argument there. It's like we get this lovely professional tune and then we're just like... Whoa! Yeah, anyway. Um, and this time next week, there will be another... Another little... episode? Oh, another exciting another, person. Another Little. member of the Ladies in London podcast family. Yeah. Actually, not next week, because we're going to be recording it before I collect. But um, next Monday on the 4th, I'm collecting my rescue dog. Ooh. Little Rusty. So... Um, it, there, it, there may be a chance that Rusty will come to the live podcast recording <sighs> if he's settled in enough I'm not going to promise generally speaking um, the, the tap is very dog friendly I haven't yeah. remembered to check about during events but I don't want to overwhelm him because it won't be huge and it'll be a couple yeah. of weeks after he's arrived so we'll, we'll, we'll see on that but um, yeah there's going to be another little another little uh, cold wet nose Yay. just not just me and you Yay. Um, who are part of the podcast so I'm very excited Yay. yeah it's all good. But I think that's it for this week. I think so. All right. Yeah. We're going to love you and leave you. Have a great one, gang. We'll see you next week. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.